You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you just want to ask your mom. Hey, welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And I'm Renee Sproles. Well, we parents are suckers for milestones, are we not? We are. We love to record month-by-month accomplishments when our kids are little, when they sit up and wave bye-bye, when they take their first steps or say their first words. Did you put hype marks on a doorframe in your house? Okay, that's a triggering question because we move so many times. Oh, I'm sorry. So when I really was like sad that I didn't have those early years ones, but when we moved into this house, Houston was 11 or 12 and he grew a lot. Yeah. In the teen years. So we have those. And when we were doing some repainting, I refused to let them repaint over the door jam. So that's still up there? That's still up there in pencil where he would do it. Yes. We still have that on the door frame of our bedroom too. So um, that's coming with us if we ever move anywhere. Yeah. Your kids were little. Yeah. It's, they start really low. The marks start really low and they get really high. It's really cute. Well, so as our kids get older, it's amazing to watch them learn to read and do math and ride a bike and all the fun milestones. It is. It's it's phenomenally fun. That's the best part. I think that's like a sweet spot of childhood, maybe that five to 10 year old range where mm. they're just I'm learning everything. The onboarding is massive. Yeah, it's delightful. Yeah, it at really that, is. That stage. Well, I think while while that physical and academic growth is great, there's another area in our kids' lives that we need to include as well, and that's spiritual growth. Yeah, we don't necessarily have tick marks on a door frame to measure this, but there are notable differences in the sort of spiritual concepts that kids can grasp depending on their age. And this topic was suggested by a listener, and it is good. Yeah, it's a good one. We should have done this one before now, probably. Yeah, yeah, I love this. So thank you for that, listener. So how do we talk to our children about God, about salvation, about things they might witness in church or like baptisms or communion? Well, there's one school of thought that says that you shouldn't or needn't address your child's spirituality, that maybe this is one area where they should decide for themselves and figure it out, you know, like when they get to college. Yeah, you know how I'm going to respond to that. I hear that, though. (laughs) I hear that a lot. Yeah, well, it's funny that we seem to get that children's brains, decision-making, reasoning, conceptualizing aren't fully developed until age 25, and yet we seem fine with making countless decisions that guide and shape our kids academically, emotionally, in their physical health, and in athletics with success and happiness as our aim. Right. All those decisions are like... Of course I'm the mom. Like you're not having cookies for breakfast, right? Exactly. That's right where my brain went. You choose the food. (laughs) Right. You choose everything. You're not wearing shorts out in the snow. Yeah. You know, that's not left up to you to decide. I do remember Ben wearing tacos year round. You you (laughs) You pick your battles. Some hills you do not die on. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh my goodness. There's no other area, I I think, in parenthood that we're so quick to turn over the reins on or worry about that we're imposing our ideas, our values on our kids, except the spiritual area. Yeah. That's so personal. It's got to be a personal decision. Yeah. And that that kind of thinking is only true if you think there's not objective truth to be found. Because if I believe there's objective truth physically or academically or emotionally – then I'm going to want to help my child figure that out Mm. so they can live their best life. 
their right. life most in line with reality. And so we here are, gonna, are here to say there is objective truth that's actually correct. And it's really important to guide your kids toward it. And when you do it badly, it really does hinder, mm. hinder your kids. So it's worth doing intentionally and well, as we say on here. Right. So by badly, you are kind of saying maybe as an afterthought. Uh, one extreme is an afterthought or like this um, proposal, like you said, hey, you can just figure it out for yourself. And then there's the other side, which is the very legalistic Joyce, a king yeah. kind of religion that really it's, makes your kids hate the thought of God, Jesus, church, fill in the blank. It's all about rules. Rules, no relationship, all about rules. Mm, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's a really, great point. That's really bad, too. So we really want to strike that center point, which is attachment to Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's really about, it's really about we're estranged from God, and how do we get not estranged? Right. It's through Jesus. It's the relationship, which yeah. you're modeling as parents and in your family. That is the best place for that to take place, yeah. I think. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I would say, I would agree with you, Renee, that it is precisely the role of parents to impose. Mm-hmm. The yeah. things that our kids need to learn. Um, it's precisely our role to teach and guide and influence and direct. We don't mm-hmm. leave that to somebody else. We're the only ones, the only ones with the authority to do so from the moment our children are born. Nobody else, nobody yeah. else loves our kids like we do. Right. And we, we meet more and more young parents, don't we, Bonnie, that just feel like they can't step into that authority that God's given them because authorities are kind of allergic to the idea of authority mm-hmm. with good reason or afraid of it a yes. lot of times with good reason yep government yep. governmentally culturally sometimes even in our own homes authority has been used to harm us and not help us mm-hmm. and really in the best sense of the term i think of authority um as shepherding so when jesus says he's the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep he's making space for the sheep the sheep have a pen they come and go through the gate and the, he's like, I got the wolves and the bears and all the thing. I'm going to make space for you to thrive. That's mm-hmm. how I'm using my authority in your life. So I think every parent can get behind that idea. Right. It's not this, you know, hammer, lay down the mm-hmm. law, strict, regimented sort of authority. That's not what we're talking about. Right. But the pen has boundaries. Yes. The pen does <laughs> by, have boundaries. By nature, right? The pen has boundaries, but that mm-hmm. actually, those boundaries actually make it so that you can flourish. Yeah. They actually give more freedom. Yeah, they do. They do in the end. So so I would say that Deuteronomy 6 was my controlling thought when we were raising our kids. It probably was yours too, Bonnie. I didn't mm-hmm. talk about this beforehand mm-hmm. with you, but it says this. Moses is saying this to the Israelites. These are the commands, decrees, and laws that the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you... Your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live. How? By keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And what do you get? (laughs) So that you (laughs) may enjoy long life. Right. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it might go well with you and you may increase greatly in that land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord the God of your ancestors promised you. Yeah. And it goes on to say the, the famous verses that probably every children's minister has posted in their children's wing. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. And then you impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Basically all the time. Mm-hmm. 
Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Right. So that's not an afterthought. That's not right. parenting, nor is it parenting from fear. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. It's just part of life like ABCs are part of life, like soccer is part of life. Mm-hmm. It's just one other aspect of our children's growth that we're going to do. And um, a big one. A big one. And listen, if you think, oh, no, I'm not up to the task. Well, neither was I. Neither was I. That's right. <laughs> and I think that's a cool aspect, which we'll get into here. We'll, mm-hmm. We can do it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Let's just talk about this in stages. Uh, we're going to break it down in age groups yeah. for you, just because kids developmentally can get certain things at certain times in life. Mm-hmm. So ages zero to four, and kids at this age are sponges. Uh, don't underestimate what they can understand, even when they don't have full command of language. I mean, literally, right. Dottie Lou is about to turn two. I had her over here yesterday. We were in the pool. And I just went underwater, came up out of the water and wiped my face down. And she continued for the next five minutes to dip her hands into the water and wipe her face down, dip her hands in the It was just one little action, oh, yeah. you know, because the water was dripping in my eyes. And yeah. I thought, oh, my goodness, that's such a reminder. They are catching everything. you yes. all the time. They're catching everything. And maybe she didn't even know why you were doing that. But, oh, this is what we do when yeah. we're in the water. They copy <sighs> that's terrifying and comforting yeah yeah so you can use this use the force for good you can use this for good right so you're modeling that's what we want to do but we're modeling god's love to our infants through toddler Mm -hmm. age so these early ages are you're giving a lot of love and a lot of nurturing, mm-hmm. constantly snuggling, constantly hugging, constantly kissing the boo-boos and come snuggle with me to read, all of that. And when you're physically close like that with your child, they're feeling loved and safe. Mm-hmm. What a great time to do what Deuteronomy 6 was mm-hmm. saying and talk about how God loves them just the same way. Mm-hmm. God wants them to feel safe with him too. Yeah. I mean, we just go down the list as a game. Who loves you? Mm. and she'll go down the list god jesus mommy daddy nay pops okay so at 18 months almost two years old Mm -hmm. she probably does not have a full concept of god who god and jesus and all of the people are Mm -mm. she can't touch them or feel them like she can Mm -hmm. nana and papa Mm -hmm. but you're getting that response Mm -hmm. in her head and and she knows what love is she knows Mm -hmm. what feeling safe is yeah so you're just planting those seeds One thing that Emma does with her, I love, 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 whenever she gets hurt, you know, they fall over all the time Mm -hmm. at this age. (laughs) The first thing they do is pray. So she's training her. As soon as you get hurt, you take it to God. And I was like, oh, that's so good. I wish I'd done that. Yeah, me too. Really cool. Because I'm saying like, you're okay. It's okay. You're okay. And like, actually, we know we've lived some life. Things are not always okay. And yeah. to your little kid at that time, it probably doesn't feel okay. So to, to take that to God instead, what's well, so cool. So you can also like talk about what you're doing with prayer. Yeah, we, we, I've got to get this on recorded. But when we pray, Dottie Lou says, oh yeah, at the end, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be sad when she learns that. amen. <laughs> no, no, let's just keep it the, oh yeah, <laughs> no, please. I really just wanted to keep saying it. <laughs> that needs to be a Sproul's family thing from now on. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, you just encourage them to participate. Put like, their little hands together. Yeah. Yeah. Then you just go down the list. I I have lots of friends with their kids. Um, One, one dad actually pulled out a little pocket notebook out of his work pants 
Mm-hmm. It kept, keeps with him all the time. But when he tucks his kids into bed, they go down that list of people they're praying for. Oh. From friends and family and church. Mm-hmm. People, people who've had really sad things happen. You know, they're really bringing it. Yeah. Bringing it home. And okay, so that child is not only seeing that we pray together, but but dad keeps this with him. Mm-hmm. This is important to mm-hmm. dad. This is something he's remembering and keeping with him. You think in a little boy's heart, they're not tucking that away? I know. Hmm. So, so powerful. What a simple example Yeah. of how important prayer is and, and how God's going to go with me. And I'm thinking about it in my head. Oh, yeah. And, my day. and he goes back. Like, they've already gone back. They've got, they were praying for a couple of young families to get pregnant uh, who had been trying for quite some time. And when when they did get pregnant, he was able to circle back with the kids. And the prayer changed to oh, thanks. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. When you're little, what an impact. Mm-hmm. When you're big, what an impact. Mm-hmm. And that stemmed from their cool. own loss. We just check our miscarriage podcast out, which we've gotten tremendous feedback on. Yeah, been so good. Um, that was really powerful. Uh, that stemmed from that, praying for those families because they had their own loss. Wow, so cool. So cool. So, okay, when they're little like that, even though she's saying, oh, yeah, at the end of the prayer or whatever, <laughs> you can also ask her when they get a little more verbal, what do you want to pray about? Mm-hmm. Or who? Mm-hmm. Who do you want to pray about? Yeah. Um, she lists, she lists us all off all the people in her life, her aunts and uncles and people who mean something. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that little kids prayers can be the sweetest and it's so neat that we have recording availability mm-hmm. and technology nowadays to just keep that. Oh yeah. I would they're, never want to erase that from my phone's little memos. They're really good at, at being grateful for the little details of mm-hmm. their lives. And mm-hmm. it's a great time for a refresh for you. If yeah. you've not been great at being able to be thankful for stuff. I know I wasn't. And so it really did help me go, Oh, right. Okay. Let's just walk through the little things. Yeah. yeah. Mm, my so book, good. my pillow, mm-hmm. my bedroom. Yeah. The grass, <laughs> all the stuff, the birds. They, they can be thankful for everything. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's a bed de- delay tactic, but Hey, it's a decent it one. It doesn't last that long. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and so you're also wanting in the spirit of modeling. You're also wanting to go to church, mm-hmm. be a part of a community. Let them see you like that dad praying and reading and, and having that be an important part of your mm-hmm. life. Yeah. And you want to make that attractive. So I, it was really this, you're striking this balance between honoring your neighbor with your, if your child cannot sit still and <laughs> be quiet where, you know, you're, they're screaming, you need to take them out. But I really wanted it to be them to have a little bit of freedom to stand up, sit down, sure. scooch down the they pew with us because I wanted them to not hate it. Mm-hmm. And so you just need to strike that balance. Know your child. Some can sit on their bottoms better than others, but um, yeah, we wanted to make it a fun place. We just brought some fun things. Right. Church related. Right. We did too. And I'm glad you said church related because a lot of times I'll, uh, that's not really the time for video games. They're not, they're, if you're in a video game or a screen, you're literally closed off to the mm-hmm. world around you. So they're mm-hmm. not even accidentally catching Mm-mm. words from the front or songs. They're totally drawn into that screen. So yeah, that's a great time to be practicing coloring or flipping through a Bible story or some other quiet activity, even a little puzzle or a sewing card or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, Cause they're, they can listen mm-hmm. and not be tuned out mm-hmm. to the messages in church. It is a muscle that you're developing. I mean, it's some of us, like all of the traits in humanity will have more aptitude for that than others, but we can all learn to listen. And so, yeah, you just want to be stretching that muscle right from the get go. Mm-hmm. 
and teach them obedience. This is something that's kind of fallen out of favor. Also with young families, we're finding that that's not really, when we would teach parenting classes, we've taught them for over 20 years Mm -hmm. and we would survey the parents while you're here. What do you want your kid to, what's your goal for your kid? And uh, obedience was usually top of the list. Right. I want them to. And that's not really so true anymore. No. It's not a resounding goal. No. They want them to be happy and they want them to... Think critically. Yeah. They want them to... Be successful. Be successful. But obey. Mm. It goes back to that authority thing you were talking Mm -hmm. about at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's the downstream from authority because if there's an authority figure, then that means there's people who must obey. Right. And so, you know... I just, you know, I love this topic. You know, I think obedience is the best teacher. Jesus Mm -hmm. says, unless we become like little children, we'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And I think at least in part, one facet of what he means is obedience, because we are expecting our children before they understand why we want them to do something at ages zero to four, that they must do it just because we said. But the cool thing is, is you don't create a robot. Because Jesus tells you what happens. He says, we actually get understanding. Right. Actions precede beliefs. That is a psychological truth that Jesus said 2,000 years ago, John 8, 31 and 32. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. It does. He doesn't say, if you assent, mentally assent, then you'll get complete understanding. He's like, no, actually your actions bring yeah. A level of understanding. And I think that's where the disconnect comes from with what we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast, why parents think I, that this is the part that I have to leave up to my kid to decide because they think beliefs precede actions mm-hmm. and I can't make them believe something, but you can guide them through obedience to a faithfulness mm-hmm. that they will then later understand because mm-hmm. they're too little to understand it. I will tell you every time in scripture when I've come up against something that I don't understand why I have to do it. Top of the list is love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Mm-hmm. When I actually try to do it, that is when the bu- the, the light bulb happens. goes off. That is when my heart lines up with my brain and I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. this is what you mean. Oh, and right. I was your enemy <laughs> before you reconciled me. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's huge. It is huge. Um, it is how God wants us to respond to him. So I'm, I always tell young parents, like, you are modeling who God is. Like that is not because of your intention, because of who you are. Mm-hmm. By default, you are modeling who God is. So teaching your children to obey, like in a spirit of joyfulness, not a spirit of finger wagging and yes, catching yeah, them doing something exactly. wrong. That's really powerful in a good way. It is because it's coupled in your home with love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and all the other things that go into it. It's not just obedience for obedience sake. And they're watching to see if you're going to make them. Oh yeah, they are. (laughs) Yes, they are. Are you going to follow through? (laughs) Sweet Dottie Lou. Please. (laughs) She's just looking at me after I say the instruction. I'm like, okay, here comes the, here's the tipping point. Am I going to follow through or does she get to rebel? Yeah. It's just easier for me to do it myself. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do it. Go ahead and enforce and it. I'm the grandma. Do you think there's any kind of big emotions and knock down dragouts? No. Mm. No. You just calmly get up. And as soon as I make the move to move toward her, she just. Right. 
because she's learned now in the, her <clears throat> two years, this spirit of surrender, the spirit yeah. of submission. And it really doesn't take that long. Mm-hmm. It's a short term lesson mm-hmm. to some beautiful heart results. I so, mean, children are yeah. naturally gamblers. So I feel like when you're inconsistent, which we all are at times, but you'd want to be like eight out of 10 times consistent, right? That's what we're going for in our children and ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, they're gamblers. And so you're teaching them to gamble when you think you're extending grace and you don't describe that. You mm-hmm. know, when I did extend grace, I actually needed to say it out loud. I asked you to do this and it actually deserves punishment. And I'm not going to do that. And I'm give, I'm extending grace to you in this moment. Right. So there's not a, ha ha, I got away with that. Uh-huh. And I know. Yeah. And that's all it took. And we just moved on. And I right. knew they weren't understanding that totally mm-hmm. at two, three, and four, but sure. it was just said and we moved on. Yeah. Because after the third sentence, they hear wah, 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 <laughs> yes, anyway. Yes, at that age. Yeah. You're not giving big old pictures mm-mm, of things. Mm-mm. No. So we're still in this zero to four age and uh, zero, zero to four kids can learn basic concepts like God is real. Mm-hmm. God loves them. God created everything, including you. They can learn what prayer is that you're talking to this other person mm-hmm. and simple instructions on how to do it. Like we talked about, uh, God wants us to be kind, loving, to see and think good things. God wants you to obey mom and dad. Yeah. Yeah. And I would encourage you, like there's a million kind of, there's not, there's probably just a handful. <laughs> there's a lot of prayer postures in the Bible. You don't have to have your little one sit with their hands folded. Mm. I mean, there's some cute little Bible songs that have them do that. And that's great. But like you can be laid out on the floor on your belly, spread out praying. You can stand up with your arms in the air. Yeah. You can, you can bend- dance and rejoice. Yes. Be on your knees. You can, kids are really mobile you know, for most of these ages, we're going to be talking about utilize that, like capitalize on that. Yeah. And you can just go and say like, Hey, yeah, Moses raised his hands up and prayed for this thing. When we, this person was in distress, they were laid flat out on the floor. Don't you feel like that sometimes? Like, I think your kids will get it better than you at first. Mm -hmm. And you can hold hands with each other. You can touch one another Mm -hmm. and have that connection brought into the, to the prayer too. Mm -hmm. There's, There's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So good. Don't just be locked into one thing. Yeah, and even at the upper end of this age, zero to four, they can understand that Jesus died for their sins so that we can be with God and so that he can rescue the earth, the new heavens and the new earth. My kids got that really early on, and their imaginations were primed to kind of play that out. Um, They can understand that everybody does some wrong things that put a space between us and God because they can see how it puts a space between you you and them. Mm -hmm. That's right. Talk about saying you're sorry. Talk about um, how to say you're sorry to God also. And if, if you think that a discussion of Jesus died is beyond this age, or you're afraid it might lead to concept of death in general, then just talk about the love of Jesus instead. That, that'll come later. Yeah, you can. I would not talk about um, Jesus died without talking about the resurrection. That because he was raised up, we, we all get new bodies too. And mm-hmm. like, because we have the most hopeful news in that area, you know, the, the best that a um, secular humanist can hope for is to have a great life right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to teach a child that we don't, we don't stop existing when we, when this body dies and that we get a fresh body later, you'd be surprised at how much they can get that. And, uh, you know, depends on the temperament, I would say of your child. It really does. Because right around, I don't know, if you have pets in the home and you've maybe experienced the death right. of a pet or whatever, sometimes this gets confusing. So just, you know your child. You know yeah. what they can handle Yeah. Um, on this concept. I was just listening to a podcast. One of the happiest 
um, countries in the world, I'm not sure exactly how they do this assessment, is uh, Bhutan. It's number 140 out of one, however many countries there are, 170 uh, something. Okay. I can't um, even tell you where that is on a map. I'm near looking at this India, big map behind you. It's okay. Near India and Nepal. And they are almost the most impoverished. They're they're like in, they're really close to the most happy and the most impoverished, but and there's a lot of reasons for that. But one of which is their practice of um, thinking every day this sentence, you will die. And they were like, what? Why? Why That's do you counterintuitive. Ins- why do you insist on like tell- reminding everyone like one day you will die. There was a great Greek general, who, Alexander the Great, I think, who had a servant whose job every morning was to say, Alexander, one day you will die. Uh, why, why is that a facet of what makes them happy? Because it reframes how you live. Mm. Um, even for someone who doesn't believe in life after death. You know, the, one of the tribal leaders in Bhutan said, you know, if you're walking a path and you know there's a cliff 500 feet ahead of you and every step you take brings you closer to the cliff, Will that change how you walk to the cliff? Mm. Will that change your conversations on the way to the cliff? Yes. <laughs> Will that? I mean, it really yes, is it true. It, and I thought, man, that is a radical truth, how we are so removed from death in the United States. You know, we, we put people in hospitals and the body disappears and it ends up at a funeral home and they make it look as alive as possible, which never works. Mm-hmm. They trot it out in a coffin. They close it up. We have a service and we don't talk about it anymore. And it's just, I think we're just really highly dysfunctional. Yeah. And I, I, I love that description. The other description, the other yeah. philosophy seems so much better. So much better. And it, it's, it's, uh, it's written all through the Bible. Teach us to number our yeah, days. Really Teach us to number our days because, healthy. yeah, because that gives you a heart of wisdom. So I, yeah, we're throwing all that out in the zero to four. You know, they can't get all that, but you can, mm-hmm. and you start stewing on that marinate in that for a while and then see how god might have you share that hopefulness with your children that's interesting that's great renee love that one love that point all right ages five to six. Oh, i just love this i mean you know me once they start as soon as they start talking i'm in talking reading all that yep so fun kids are now starting to learn about relationships and how they work so at these ages you're explaining why relationships are important They can see it's not just mom and dad's relationship with God, that they have one too. They're starting to make friends at school and they have their own relationships with others. Right, so they can see how this works in the Mm -hmm. world and that it works from us to God Mm -hmm. as well. They should be familiar by now with how to apologize and -hmm. when they should. You should be talking about the preciousness of others, how we respect other people's property because everybody else is made in God's image too. Um, Prayer. Goes a little bit further down there, our little road. Mm-hmm. Well, if you never talk to mom and dad, we're not going to know you very well. We're not going to know what you need. God is the same way. God loves us and wants to bless us so much. So you're still praying together. You're mm-hmm. still modeling that. But they are free at any time to have their own conversations with God. Mm-hmm. And you encourage that. They're, you know, my kids at this age, they had some pretty significant dreams I wouldn't say they had visions, Mm -hmm. but um, they also had some fairly advanced imagination for um, things we would teach them about eternity. So when, you know, we'll talk about this later when Jesus said he's going to prepare a place for us. Emma had a whole room. He said, in my father's house are many rooms. Mm -hmm. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. It's actually true. 
and I'm preparing that for you. Um, she had her own whole room decked out, fully decorated. Oh, like in her head? In her head. Of what that room was going to be? Of what like. it was going to look oh, like, including a mm-hmm. jar of lollipops infinitely filled with her favorite flavor. <laughs> so, you know, do not underestimate what they can picture. They can get, um, you know, the imagery better than we can. Mm. Mm-hmm. Better than we can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at this age, when your child has a bad dream, you know, don't blow it off. You yeah. know, take the time to unpack that and um, take an assessment of what you've been allowing in your home, what what um, media you've been allowing in or music, what, what might be sparking that, because that can have a spiritual component to it. Hmm. Uh, I wish I'd known that at this age more than I did. Um, and your five and six year old should have regular times for prayer and reading Bible stories. So don't make it seem like work or the opposite of fun. Right. <laughs> that might be a family time together. It might just be, Hey, take five minutes, like short times. I'm not talking like an hour of <laughs> go to your room. Yeah. You must read and pray. No, <laughs> a short, fun Bible story that you all read together or that they read mm-hmm. by themselves. Yeah. And then you talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Fun, in a fun way. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine being that guy? What would you have done? Mm-hmm. Make yeah. it fun and interactive. You know, check out uh, our Seeds Family Worship interview with Jason Hauser for, you know, real life on the ground <laughs> examples of what can happen when you try this. Yeah. It will not go smoothly. The yeah. dog will throw up in the f- kitchen floor. Absolutely. Don't expect it. You know, it, it, do not be deterred. Because if you're just doing this with regularity every day, ideally, you're going to have some really great moments Mm -hmm. do you remember every meal you ate in your lifetime no but it fed you and sustained you right so it's still worth it it's still worth it still worth it so at this age they can grasp the simple message of the gospel our relationship with god has been broken because of sin jesus took on the punishment that we deserved he died in our place um they might be curious about accepting jesus's gift um we always did talk about this when we saw someone get baptized. That mm-hmm. was always a big deal, getting dunked in the water. What in the world's going on with I that? Know, it's not the usual church <laughs> service. Why is that person getting in the water? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let them be curious. Talk about that. Yeah. Do it while it's happening. Absolutely. It's okay to talk about it right there in church. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can talk about this in, in broad strokes um, and answer their questions. But again, you don't want a super long theological explanation. I kind of did this like we did any kind of um, body parts questions or sex questions. Yeah. I give them the simplest explanation. If they ask for more, I continue on. That's great. Yep. I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah. Don't load them down with, oh, son, now you are interested in this subject. (laughs) Well, here's volume one through three of Theology. That would be a great title for an article: no. "Gospel and Sex and Your Child." <laughs> I expect that to come Click out next worthy. month. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So this may be controversial, but I'm just going to throw it out there. I it love it. Probably around age five, when my husband and I just started decided to start letting our kids participate in communion on Sundays as the plate was passed. Now, I grew up in the Catholic Church. We went to first communion. And then when you're like later on down the road, 13 or so, you get confirmed and you're 
baptized as a baby. So for, okay, as much as I'm into Catholic teaching these days, you'd think I'd know this, but okay, first communion is, is that at age five? It's usually around seven. Okay, age seven. And then could you take it every time or was it just one time? Yes, that's just the very first time that you've done it. Okay, cool. All right, go ahead. So you know that your kids are sitting with you. If they're with you in church, they're noticing, depending on how your church does it, ours is every Sunday. They're noticing that plate gets passed every Sunday and that we're all doing this meal together, but I don't get to. So we didn't want it to become this prohibition or this tussle or no, it's not for you. I thought Mm -hmm. that sent the wrong message. Mm -hmm. So we started to think about it like the Passover meal. And in scripture, it talked about all of the families ate and break broke bread together. And I know that there were women and children present at those meals. I know, I have to imagine that it was a family meal, like any other family Mm -hmm. meal. And we did this. So we let our children, we would take the bread and the juice and give them a piece of it. They didn't get their own. They didn't get to stick their hands in there and play with it. It wasn't a snack time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we used it just like you said, the baptisms to talk about what we were doing and what it meant. Just like an additional teaching moment. I think it's so cool that you took a piece of your bread or cracker and gave it to them. Cause it's really a symbol of your spiritual authority. Now they're not understanding that. Right. But it really is reflecting like I, I am your spiritual authority and you're sharing in this via, you know, our family's commitment to Christ until you make your own commitment. That's really cool. So I don't know if that's something every family wants to decide to do. And it's fine if you don't. That was just our little decision. Well, we had uh, some friends who did it this way. They would do it um, like on a special family night when they would have like dinner at home for a family night. They would also have communion. So the mom would make the unleavened bread and they'd have a decent sized cup, cup of grape juice and they would tear it. I know this because they did it with us when they had us for dinner. Okay. And we started the meal with communion and we passed it around. We all tore a piece of bread and instead of eating the bread that we tore we handed it to someone beside us and Mm. said god loves you and i love and i love you too Mm -hmm. and then we ate the bread that was handed to us and then um we did the the juice i don't remember the particular thing we did with that but that was really cool because they just brought it home literally home and we're showing their kids like every time you do this, you're remembering Jesus, yeah. just like he said. Every time, yeah. Every time that, you do and it, that is scriptural. So yeah, we did that. We did that a couple times in our small group. I remember like a Passover meal. It was around Easter time, and all the little kids participated mm-hmm. in it like it was a special thing too. And that's what they did in the at the Jewish Passover table. Mm-hmm. It was actually the children. The children mm-hmm. are the ones who answer the questions about why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's totally out of the norm. That's the carrot versus the stick thing to me. Again, you're making it so appealing. You're making it like, hey, you're, we're a part of a community. Mm-hmm. And this is what it means to be part of that community and involving your child yeah. in it. I love it. It's beautiful. You have a role too. You can yeah. give back too. Yeah. Um, I just would say a couple more things along that those lines. Um, my husband was, I think he, I didn't ask him before this podcast, but I'm thinking he was five years old when he was baptized. And our own child, our first child, Emma, expressed like very, very energetic interest in being baptized. And the gospel is not complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already said how you can explain it to a zero to four year old. Um, and she was born with arms outstretched, reaching for God. And you know how some of us are given the gift of faith. And I just think she was. Yeah. And we looked at each other and we we talked to some older mentors down the road and uncle who was a pastor and our parents. Mm -hmm. And we asked her some questions like, do you feel um, 
like you're like God is your friend or God is not your friend. And she's like, I feel like God is not my friend. Hmm. That's an unusual answer for a five-year-old. Most five-year-olds feel like God is their friend. They don't have a sense of their estrangement and their sin. She did. And so when we just walked her through the different elements of the gospel, there's some good workbooks or storybooks that you can walk through. We were like, I don't want her. I don't want to say no when she's saying yes to God. So we made the decision to allow her to be baptized. I think Houston was only like eight. Yeah, my kids we'll, were pretty young too. Which we'll I would get say to seven-ish, somewhere in that range. In the next, mm-hmm. in the next section. So um, that was very con- one of the first of many controversial decisions we made amongst yeah. our peers. Um, and I was, I've never regretted that. Not for one minute have I regretted that. And a part of that journey was what I'll finish with for this section: read the actual Bible allowed to your kids at this age they mm-hmm. understand more than you think mm-hmm. it is not any other book on planet earth it's not like any other book on planet earth and there's a real holy spirit that will actually explain it to your children and i was always shocked at when we read a handful of verses and i'd just be like okay what did that mean mm-hmm. <laughs> the things my kids would tell me so there's lots of good you know i love the jesus bible storybook there's lots of good books like that and we had them But our homeschool curriculum had us reading aloud the Bible Mm -hmm. every day to our children. And I wouldn't have done it if they hadn't told me to do it. Hmm. Um, I would have held off. And so I've just, you know, I want to give that to you moms. Um, Do it sooner rather than later. Yeah. Don't be afraid of your kids' faith. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, maybe that sums up that little (laughs) section there. Because... What do we, we think is going to happen if our child is baptized early mm-hmm. or makes that decision early? I don't think God's going to make anything bad happen from that. I mean, <laughs> and if, if they come to greater understanding later on, well, so do we all. Right. You At know what that point, they will. You know, it really, in the end, it's actually Jesus's work. You're just accepting right. that gift. It's not our work. I want to grow in my understanding, but me understanding it doesn't make it any more real. Mm-hmm. It's actually real whether you believe it or not. And right. so that's actually real whether you understand it all or not. Sure. Well, it's just, like you said, I think some every kid's different. They're and all some different. Some you just know. Listen, Bonnie, I was 15. Yeah, I was 17. I was old mm-hmm. in the scheme of when people come to Christ in, in their childhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you don't if you don't come to Christ by, I don't know, age 12 or 13, like there's a pretty significant drop-off after that age. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I was, and I think I was coming from that. I, I really need to understand every single thing. Mm-hmm. And again, it's truth is not the hub of that wheel. It's attachment to Christ. Yeah. How much do you have to know? How much do you have to know to be attached to your husband? Did you know everything you were getting into? <laughs> no, it's the attachment uh, that keeps no. you together. No, I did not. <laughs> it's, a, you know, it's, it's the attachment that makes you work it out. And you figure it out and get to know each other better all <laughs> yeah. for years and years and years do to you, come. Do you think, did you think every other year, oh, we better go like renew our vows because I didn't really understand what I was doing. Mm. No, yeah. I mean, you did once for like a special yeah. occasion. 25? years 30 30 30. was it 30 when you'd renewed it Mm -hmm. well every 10 every 10 you're renewing it yeah Yeah, so so i i feel like people think oh because i understand more i I have to go redo it that would be a good topic for later because i Mm -hmm. do think sometimes it is worth redoing but but usually not usually it's just you understand more and you're more grateful yeah i I agree with that i totally agree with that 
All right, let's move on to ages seven to nine. This is the what they call the age of reason. <laughs> I don't know about that, but this is what they call that. <laughs> seven to nine-year-olds want to know why. And you can teach them how to find those answers, how to use a concordance, how to find scriptures. You should be taking a seven to nine-year-old pretty seriously. Welcome their questions. One of the most resounding mm-hmm. comments that um, adults give who walk away from their childhood faith is that questions were never welcome. Hard questions were never entertained yeah. or brushed off. They were brushed off. And that could be some perception because the parents thought, oh, I don't know the answer to that or whatever. So we'll just put that off till later. And the child perceived it as, oh, then I'm not allowed to ask no questions. It's okay to say, I don't know. Absolutely. It's okay to say, let's find out together. Let's go talk to someone who does know. I couldn't homeschool my kids without that perspective. There's mm-hmm. you, there's so many things I didn't know. Mm-hmm. There's so many things we had to go find out together. That's actually more fun than just knowing, I'll be honest. Yeah. I, I think God loves our curiosity. Yeah. He loves our imagination. Yeah. He wants the questions and he welcomes doubt. Mm-hmm. So your kids at this age need to know their faith in God is both reasonable and real. And teaching them these things now helps them make better choices later based on what they know rationally and experientially to be true. Right. So you had mentioned the little pocket notebook mm-hmm. in the back of that dad's pants. Mm-hmm. So that is one great way where they can experience the results of actively trusting God. So they've kept track now of what they have prayed and how it was answered. I love that. Mm-hmm. So that gives them that experience to know when they get to be 13, 14, when they're questioning more, is God really real? Well, there was that time. I remember that, that we kept track of those prayers and those were answered. Mm-hmm. That's the experience you've just given them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll just remind you, Jane Heather Clayton from our Praying With Our Kids podcast, I think it was December of 2021, November maybe, she requires her children to go and check on someone at church and pray a short prayer for them, like if they've had surgery. So she'll just be like, oh, there's Mrs. Smith. She just had knee surgery. Go ask her how she's doing, and then I want you to say a prayer over her. Now, do you think they've practiced that at home? Yes. 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 Otherwise, they would be like, what? what? I know. So this sounds strange to us because I didn't do this with my kids. Me neither. Not because it's unworkable. It's because we don't challenge ourselves to do it or we're not doing it ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we're not challenging our kids or ourselves. So they can and will do things like that if you lead the way. And then that's not weird. It's not weird. That's just what we do. I was at a graduation party um, with Jane Heather last weekend. And she straight up had her hand on somebody's um, head, another mom's head, just praying over. Like in the midst of the party, like they had just come up on some topic, obviously, that she mm. needed to pray for for her. She, they didn't even go to a different room. And it was just <laughs> short. Like they're, it's like, oh, yeah, she's just praying over them. Like, I don't, I mean, that's next level. I'd probably step off to the corner at least. But, and her kids, they were all there. They didn't even glance over. Right. Because it's just another day in the life of immediately taking our concerns to God. If you think about it, like we've said that this is supposed to be some kind of relationship. You, a new friend would walk up. You'd talk to the new friend. Yeah. You know, why not? If God's with us all the time, why do we think it's weird to just stop and talk to him too? Exactly. That's a relationship, just like a friendship relationship. Exactly. And so, yeah. So just do better than I did moms in that area. You can really, really press in and get in the habit of looking for God and expecting him to show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. We did uh, at the end of our day at dinner. You know, what did God show you today? How did God speak to you today? 
What did God teach you today? I was over 30 before I began getting asked the question in Bible study fellowship. How did God speak to you today? I'm like, what? Yeah. You need to just expect to hear back. If you're having a conversation, mm -hmm. there's going to be an answer or there probably is an answer that you're not hearing. So Mm -hmm. yeah, get your kids into the habit of just listening for that. It's really, it's really funny. God's so gracious. He he shows up really big when you start doing this. He Mm -hmm. really wants to give you a boost um, in that. So at this age, ages seven to nine, we're talking about, you can transition from having prayer times and Bible reading times together to letting your children do it on their own if they're ready. Uh, You can maybe read separately from a given chapter and then talk about it on the way to school. I let my kids pick out a cool um, devotional help. You know, I'm kind of picky about those. Not they're not all created equal, but Houston was real interested in science. And so there was a chemistry um, based one and there was a particular one for girls that Emma was um, really liked. And so it's kind of a treat when you got to the end of it. You could have a little go celebration a and yeah. go get a new one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, at this age, they can understand the Trinity, mm-hmm. which is a big old concept. They can know what God's character is. They And that's kind of a neat study to just do with them. What yes. Who is God and what is he like? Um, Names of God will tell you what yeah. he's like. Yeah. They can know that the Bible is true and where it came from and what the gospel is, and they can know more of what prayer feels like and looks like. They can, you can, by this age, they can pretty much know that they can trust God and they should seek him. They should know about the fruits of the spirit, probably, Mm -hmm. um, what that feels like and how to develop those character traits and how can they bless other people, Mm -hmm. which is, goes back to what, um, Jane Heather was saying, um, that, they, that our kids can have a role in the church community. What is that role? How can you give back? How can you bless somebody else? Certainly by seven to nine, you can do some things for other people. You can come along with you to Meals on Wheels or um, delivering a, a meal to a family who's been sick or had a baby, something like that, and know that this is what we do for one another. Yeah, really look for those ways that for service opportunities that can involve your children that are more... Um, conducive for that this is prime age zero to nine is prime for nursing homes Mm. oh yeah they they love children Mm -hmm. it's so easy you don't even have to come up with a conversation if I walk in there now it's like oh I gotta okay what are the good conversation questions but if you have a child that's it it's just joy and life Mm -hmm. and they want to know about the child and what they're interested in it's it's really it's just such a win all the way around and okay a lot more children we did talk about baptism baptism at zero, I mean, baptism at five to six, but children from seven to nine will often make a decision to follow Christ at this age, Um, especially if their relationship with God has been nurtured up to this point. Again, they're not going to understand every deep theological point, but a real relationship with God can begin here and he'll be faithful to lead them further. I saw the work of the Holy Spirit in my Mm -hmm. kids' lives. It was phenomenal to watch. I was kind of astounded by it. It's, that's actually how I began to explore the work of the Spirit in the, in Scriptures more. When I just saw the Spirit's fruit in my kids' lives, I thought, what is going on here? Mm, that's so interesting. What is he doing? So, yeah, it works. It works both ways and comes <laughs> full circle, and we're all here to teach one another. And yeah. Especially in the perfect place of a family. I think mm-hmm. it's so beautiful. Yep. You can talk about temptations to do wrong. Um, again, we're still asking for forgiveness. We're going to do that our whole lives. Mm-hmm. 
Um, God never stops loving us. He's always waiting for us. He's always pursuing us. They're going to start messing up because now they've got other relationships outside the family. Probably they're going to school, mm-hmm. large percentages. And remember, this is the age, the average age now, seven to nine, that kids are starting to be exposed to porn Ugh. and other influences from school outside. So they're going to mess up. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't sever the relationship with God. Like this is a really important point to keep hammering home. They're never going to lose God's love. They're never going to mm-hmm. use lose yours. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just teaching them how to um, repent and ask for forgiveness and move forward. Super powerful that you're there. Like you want to celebrate. Yeah. When you find out like that, that the truth comes out mm-hmm. about these things. Um, you, you can weep behind closed doors, uh, but you want to, you want your home to be a place where, oh yeah, we get that out in the light. light. Satan doesn't get a foothold here. Mm-hmm. He doesn't win. Right. This is the place where we, we can bring our sin out into the light of day and Jesus covers it and takes care of it. Yeah. So let's look at the last stage that we're going to talk about in this uh, episode, which is ages 10 to 12. So now we're really moving from dependence to independence. I think everywhere for years and years and years, hundreds of years, they've said adolescence begins at 11. (laughs) I think it actually begins earlier than that, especially lately. Mm -hmm. But by this age, they're getting, they get, okay, this is my life. These are my thoughts. This is my faith. And they need to start taking ownership of that faith and how they're walking with God. Yep. As we're letting go now more and more, their choices are going to show what's in their heart. So we're not just letting them have 100% autonomy with spiritual things. We can still do some parallel study times, talk about what we've read. What do you think about it? How are you going to apply that? Yeah, and we did not talk about, um, like at ages 5 and 6 and then 7 to 9, about scripture memorization. But for sure, Mm -hmm. you want to go heavy in this area. Their brains are made to memorize. And they can memorize way, way more than you think. Uh, Houston and I spoke at a camp this winter and they are real big into scripture memorization. And if you memorized, I think it was 350 verses or more, you got a free week of summer camp and there's a whole wall of names Oh wow! of kids who had done that. And so don't think that your kid can't memorize a chapter or chapters of scripture. And, um, if you're doing that at five, six, seven, eight, nine, this is where you're going to see it bearing fruit theologically. Mm-hmm. There, it's going to really start to get flesh put on the bones. Seeds family worship is so great for that. Anything set mm-hmm. to music is going to stick. Mm-hmm. So at this age, you do want to make it easy for them to participate in church activities and encourage them to be part of the church community, serve together in the nursery. I see this a lot. It's really sweet mm-hmm. when uh, the, the children go with their moms back there. Um, and don't underestimate the damage you're doing of missing church for other activities um, like sports and, and whatnot. We talked to Amy Sane, our children's minister, about this. And she's like, you know, an occasional miss is one thing, but regularly being gone, there's this a shows, cost. It shows the prioritization. Mm-hmm. It shows the importance. There's a cost. That you're putting on it. That's yeah. for sure. So I, I, you know, I'm personally shocked at the, the amount of time people are willing to be away from their church family and my parents. I mean, if there was a tournament on that went all weekend, which I was in plenty of tournaments, if there was a game during church, even out of town church, like I missed that game. Yeah. I like that's, that's next level. I think 
there today, since there are online options that mm-hmm. we didn't have back mm-hmm. then, you can maybe have some alternative options. That there. would be, but a as long great as you're taking, you've got to take that time and just not, not bump it all together. Right. Bring the crackers and juice into the hotel room. Yeah, Turn on the computer. But if you're doing that more often than not, again, it's like anything in parenting. Seventy-five percent of the time, what are you doing? Right. You don't. You're missing community. You're missing yeah. friendships and relationships and community, which is important. And the next thing you know, um, I think we've talked to David Skidmore, our youth minister, about this. The kids who feel like, oh, I'm disconnected. I don't have any friends. Well, they're the ones who aren't there. That's they're right. not there for the retreats. They're not there for the camps. Mm-hmm. They're not there week in and week out for the weekly meetings. Um, so you're you're putting your kid at a disadvantage the more often you're gone. That's true. For creating community. Yeah, that's true. This is so fun. Such a fun age, I think, because your children are, I mean, they've got real brains going on now and they have real thoughts. And I always loved sharing with my kids at this age what I was learning. Mm. Um, So we had a consistent small group that we met with for years and years and years. We would talk about what did we talk about in that? What kind of, what were we studying? What was I praying about? And how did my prayer life change or develop or be challenged? Um, I think it's really cool at this age to let your kids in on your faith walk. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe your family's changed jobs or some, you know, you've experienced a loss or something like that. It is totally okay to let your children in on, you know, we're struggling with this right now. We're just going to give this to God and see what he does with it. We don't really know what's, what's up in our future or we don't, I don't really know um, how to walk through this loss, but God's going to help me figure it out. And they can come in that with you. That's really, really special. It's really so great if they if they will come in that with you. It's better than not having the challenges at all. They'll come out stronger on the other side of it. So it, just to remember here, you know, when your children make a decision to trust and follow Jesus and become a baptized believer, they're still under your authority and guidance. So they're not only your child now, they're your brother or sister in Christ, which feels weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it it does open up to that, like you're talking about, mutual accountability, the mutual learning. Um, and this was real big in our in our homeschool curriculum. At this age, we were studying world religions yeah. and, you know, going, you know what? Everybody does not believe the same thing. I remember Houston coming to me and going, but wait, the people who are Buddhist think that they're right or they wouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. And the people who are Hindu, they think that's right or they wouldn't be doing that. That was a real like mind explosion moment for him. And we had to talk through, yeah, you know, and can they all be right at the same time? Why? And and this is, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, it is a, it's a great time. You actually see um, overlap in principles too, because there's general revelation. You know, there's things you can know as a human being made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And every world religion is going to get some of those, some of those points right. Right. So don't send them out into the world, never having been exposed to any other viewpoints. They'll get blasted out of the water. Oh, yeah. I think DK has a great little hardback on world religions. It was, uh, maybe I can find it and we can put a link to it, but it wasn't very long. It was one of those bigger books, had a lot of pictures, yeah. some links, mm-hmm. and it was real helpful. You know, like Hindus, they baptize for forgiveness of sin. Hmm. I was shocked to find that out as when we were learning about that. And we, so we were able to go, okay, why would they do that? Mm-hmm. Because they know, you know, they know that there's something wrong they can with give the human you, yeah, condition. They can give you, you know, if you go to a diverse 
college or any workplace out in the world, you're mm-hmm. going to encounter those things and to have talking points for them. So, so helpful. Mm-hmm. So like when a, uh, a Muslim would say, you know, if God wills da, 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 at, at first, you know, we were like, Oh, that's really cool. They were saying, you know, if God wills, well, what's behind that when you study it is like, they don't think they can have any flu- influence over God. So like, it's just, if God wills, Mm -hmm. whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So their view of prayer is going to be really different than a Christian view of prayer. And so again, um, always in a spirit of honoring the human who's practicing this religion, but helping them unpack it um, at home first is way better than just sending them out to the world. Yeah. I guarantee you're going to learn some stuff in the process. Mm, So interesting. (laughs) It's always fun to learn. Yeah. Well, okay, so um, this is a cool age, I think, to talk about spiritual love languages is what I would call it. Or, I don't know. It's probably a better You better should write a little book about that. That's a cool idea. But um, what are ways that they are specifically drawn to worship or praise? Kind of like their temperaments. So do they feel closest to God out in nature, um, when they're studying, when they're serving, or when they're praying? I kind love of that. cultivate those things in your individual kids and give them some of that. Allow opportunities for that. I think we did a spiritual gifts inventory around this age and I, I, oh, I found like, oh, one kid is really bent to be service. And so, you know, just helping behind the scenes, right. putting chairs up or taking out the trash at the fellowship hall and yeah. that kind of thing. Um, and one was, had a, a real significant intuition. So you call that like spiritual discernment and it's like, Hey, well, I want to help you press into that. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget that aspect. We have yeah. a whole episode on that. Your yeah. child's spiritual gifts. Yeah. And okay, toward the ends of this age group, they are going to be going into middle school and possibly a youth group with much older kids. And so peer pressure can be positive or negative. And in either case, a faith decision shouldn't be based on what everyone else is doing. Yeah, I just know, like I knew, you know, there's going to be some sex talks and as it should be, mm-hmm. you know, in youth group. And, and so that might require a little more debrief on our part, depending on how far along we were in that journey at home yeah. with our kids. Right. Um, during there was a big old age gap yeah. and this time you're going to start going to camps and youth events and all the things around middle Tennessee, we have a ton of them and you come back from there and it's a very emotional pull mm-hmm. to jump in the jump on the wagon. And yeah, my friends are getting baptized and these four other people I know, and I'm just going to do it too. Mm, but yeah, which is okay as far as that goes, but then then you're going to have to follow up with some understanding afterwards and, yeah. and make sure it wasn't just a peer pressure right. situation. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. So, okay, so there you go. That's some ages from 0 to 12 mm-hmm. of how to talk to your kids, what they're capable of understanding, um, what kind of inputs you need to give them, and for your spiritual growth chart for your kid that you're putting on your doorframe. Best thing I ever did for my own spiritual growth was have a kid. <laughs> Amen to that. So if you don't feel great at the end of this, just know you're in good company. You know, I, it's just fine to grow alongside your children. It's, mm-hmm. it's actually really beautiful. It is. And, it is, yeah. Don't and, just say I can't do it because I don't know. Right, right. Yeah, it, it can be done and you can do it together. All right, so the resources we mentioned today will be on our website at justaskyourmom.com and take five seconds to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you listen to and share us with your friends. And keep sending us those topic suggestions to justaskyourmompodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time on Just Just Ask Ask Your Mom. Mom.